Hi, this is Generosity from British Columbia, Canada. Jed Bartlett is my president, is a chipperish media production, and is entirely funded by listeners like you. To support chipperish and gain access to exclusive content, please visit patreon.com slash chipperish. Hi, and welcome to Jed Bartlett is My President, a podcast about the West Wing and denial. My name is Lonnie Diane Rich, and every week I take an in-depth look at an episode of the West Wing along with a special guest. And for a little while, we pretend that the worst thing happening in the White House right now is the government shutting down. Wow, my bar for a bad day for the government has seriously shifted in recent months. This week's episode is Shut Down, the eighth episode of season five, and here to talk with me about it is my special guest, Kevin Flynn. Kevin is an award-winning recovering journalist and television reporter. His first book was Wicked Intentions about New Hampshire serial killer Sheila LeBaire. Welcome, Kevin. Hello, Lonnie. <laughs> so great to have you here. I'm so glad you could join me for this. I'm so glad that you asked me to watch The West Wing <laughs> and redeem myself uh, in the the eyes of my wife and your former guest, Rebecca Lavoie. Yeah. So she finally she couldn't get you to watch The West Wing, but I did. Right. Yeah. Now, it's not that <laughs> it's not that I didn't watch The West Wing when it came on, because I do remember watching a lot of the early episodes mm-hmm. and I'm going to I'm going to try to remember what it was but there was some other show that aired uh, at the same time I and think she told a, me it was the Drew Carey show It might have been the Drew Carey show <laughs> or something on ABC uh-huh. I don't know what was on but you know this was before a DVR right. so like with the you had to put the tape in and set the recording and then there were like if you didn't get it to 2 weeks like there was you know, I'd have like one tape and it was filled like with two episodes of Homicide and <laughs> NYPD Blue. And then I'm like, did I record over that one? And it got to be such a pain. And then my daughter was born and I stopped watching TV except oh, for sure. Teletubbies and mm-hmm. um, The Wiggles. Yeah, you go through that phase where you just miss everything during like yeah. the first five years of, of having a kid. So, so I, I didn't get to see a lot of the, the later episodes mm-hmm. of um, uh, of The West Wing. Although I do have a story about, I think it's probably the the, the very late season. It, it was it was when Jimmy Smith's character was on. Oh, he was yeah. running for president, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And um, one of the episodes takes place in New Hampshire uh, mm-hmm. for the New Hampshire primary. And uh, at the time, I was working as a television reporter in New Hampshire, WMUR, mm-hmm. which is the ABC affiliate. And uh, on the show... Uh, you know something. You, you probably remember the plot line better, but but Smith's character was um, you know, coming in to the the TV station to do um a commercial, mm-hmm. like a last minute commercial that was going to save the day, and uh, his line was like, I gave the uh, some, I gave I gave the commercial, the you know, the tape to the the news director, mm-hmm. and they ran that script by the higher-ups at the Hearst Argyle Corporation, and they made them change it because the news director wouldn't normally handle the, um, wouldn't ever handle, like, commercials. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, so right. they changed mm-hmm. it to, like, the sales manager or mm-hmm. whatever. But I was like, oh, you got to, like, see the script and, like, give some input on that. Mm-hmm. And I think the line later was, the character walks through and nobody's paying any attention to him, them, and somebody says, yeah, here at MUR, uh, nobody looks up from their desk unless you're t- your first tier. <laughs> which is so freaking true. I met so many, you know, uh, future presidents and wannabe presidents working oh, yeah. in New Hampshire. And, uh-huh. Oh, uh, sure. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Jeb Bartlett, the fact that he came from New Hampshire was, like, a big deal around here. Oh, that's cool, yeah. Uh, like, all the media, you know, like, really followed him. There was, like, a the New, ha- New Hampshire magazine, mm-hmm. like, stalked Martin Sheen for, like, years, like, get, <laughs> trying to get them to either give an interview or uh, at one point th- they did a collection of a lot of like local um, ephemera and uh-huh. like uh, memorabilia so that they could send it to the show for whenever they did like New Hampshire stuff. There would be like, you know, local radio station <laughs> bumper stickers. Oh, that's or, awesome. Uh, you know, so it was uh, the fact that he was our fake governor. <laughs> And Jeb Bartlett, uh, as you may know, was a signer of the Declaration of Independence from yes. New Hampshire. So mm-hmm. the name has some historical significance. Mm-hmm. But 
you know, it was uh, I, that was my, my West Wing experience. Oh, well, that's pretty cool, though. I got to say, that's that's really cool that you guys were able to, like, give him, you know, things to make it legit. Although in um, an episode of uh, of Jed Bartlett um, that we did, I had Rebecca explain to me that they had the president didn't know what leaf peeping was. Mm-hmm. And so I had Rebecca send me an audio explaining that oh, any, my God. any governor of New Hampshire would know, right? If you were the governor of California, you'd say, earthquakes? What are these things? Exactly, exactly. It's like, (laughs) your entire economy is built around tourism, and 25% of that is autumn. Oh, my God. There's no other word for people who come up to look at the foliage. It's leaf peeper. (laughs) I've never heard of that. (laughs) It was kind of adorable. It was very fun having, you know, somebody legit from New Hampshire, you know, correct on that. I'm sure there are, like, cops who, like, watch police shows and they're like, Mm -hmm. oh, man, you would never, like, you know. Exactly. Tell the guy he's under arrest before you put the handcuffs on him or whatever. And we would just sit there and say, oh, no, they're they're in a bar and they say they can't get something to eat. Well, you can't have a liquor license in New Hampshire unless you have a kitchen. Exactly. (laughs) You know? Oh, this thing is so stupid. I and I know. went and watched Drew Carey after that. So, <laughs> well, now I can understand why you would go do that because that's so frustrating. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, one of the things that I say a lot when I talk about that is that reality is no defense for fiction. Is that like you know just because it's reality doesn't mean that the fiction doesn't work. But that threw even me out, and I'm not from New Hampshire. I was like, no, yes. you would know what that was. <laughs> I did watch an episode. Uh, I think it was uh, the Big Wheel of Cheese. Oh yeah. yeah, you know you were you're mm-hmm. talking. We were talking about doing a couple of different episodes, and that was one. And I looked yeah. at it, and uh, there was a side stuff where he's talking about uh, where to put the Bartlett Presidential Library, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, again, it's sort of like his brother is doing this, and you know, they, they've got uh, a couple of locations, right? And they're like running them off in these towns where, again, it's just somebody you know looking at a map and filling something in, you know, mm-hmm. for the sake of the. Uh, of of the characters and i'm like there isn't a single highway to get to that it is like you would have to like cross a moat <laughs> to get to that town are you kidding me and and the ironic thing is he's supposed to be like ha- have a farm in manchester yeah where there's not six feet of dirt left in manchester oh, it's no. like the only city we have uh <laughs> And it's like, yeah, a farm. Yeah, back in 1930, there was a cow farm. Now there's a mall there. And I'm not even exaggerating. <laughs> well, so I maybe can see how that would throw yeah. you out of it, you know, because oh, you're yeah. just constantly getting thrown out of the story because it keeps, you know, hitting up with reality. Yeah. But... How much longer is this podcast? I'm really not happy the more I think about this. <laughs> that's all right. I think that we can have an entire podcast that's just, you know, Kevin Flynn complains Talk about, about the West Wing. As yeah. a matter of fact, that's going to be my next podcast. I'm going to launch that on Chipperish pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kevin. So I have a question for you. You Hit are me. a true crime writer. You do podcasts about true crime podcasts and documentaries. You do Law & Order podcasts, which can often be really a disturbing show. So I made you watch The West Wing. How bored were you that nobody got brutally murdered? Oh, I, w- I wasn't bored at all. Oh, and good. I think it's 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 fair because I made you watch Criminal Intent. You did. <laughs> so you had you 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 had to suffer not only the acting of Vincent D'Onofrio, but the Twitter flame war. He got that so mad Vincent at me. D'Onofrio <laughs> Vincent D'Onofrio yelled at me. Although actually, I don't think it was him that yelled at me. He got he got a little stuffy about it. But like all of his followers mm-hmm. were so mad at me. Yeah. And I didn't even know, like, what did I say that was so I, bad about Vincent D'Onofrio? <laughs> you know, I think there was one, actually, I think it was my line, where, where I was criticizing, sort of, where they had the characters, like, pretend uh-huh. that they were being nonchalant, and they were, like, oh, yeah. whistling and literally rubbing their necks. And it was really sort of a bad writing-slash-directing choice, and I, like, really hammered the, <laughs> D'Onofrio and his co-star. And I probably shouldn't have, because, you know, the idea is it should be fun, Uh, And you should point to the things that are crazy and don't really work and sort of relish them. Mm -hmm. And as opposed to just putting them down, that's it, you know. And I'm like, you know, that isn't the kind of podcast I want to do. So thank you, Mr. D'Onofrio, for that. (laughs) However, you know, there were a couple of like, you know, uh, maybe, you know, maybe we shouldn't like ask Law and Order people to come on. (laughs) Right. He's just so method, you know? Yeah. I, I would no. say, like, D'Onofrio and Criminal Intent, they're like Elvis Costello, mm-hmm. where, like, everybody agrees he's a singular talent. 
almost nobody listens to him and buys his music, but those who do are in a cult and think he's the greatest. Yes. <laughs> yeah, D'Onofrio has his fans are are like mm-hmm. really passionate, you know, mm-hmm. and they came after me and it was kind of funny. I was like, I've never been like hated this much by somebody that famous. It was really at good. Thanksgiving. <laughs> right. At Thanksgiving. I mean I mean it's not exactly Christmas, but still yeah. it's the holidays, you know? Yes. <laughs> Have a slice of turkey and shut the F up. It was kind of fun. You know, it made me feel like much more important than I've ever been in my life. So it was it was really, really fun. You ain't nobody till you've been in a flame war with a celebrity. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So getting back to the West Wing. This episode aired on November 19th, 2003 and was written by Mark Goffman with a staff writer credit to Josh Singer. And I, I don't know what the staff writer credit means. I, I figured out what all of the credits, like the story by and the teleplay by and everything. And we just have staff writer on this. And I'm not sure what the WGA meant by that. So it's like it, the it's one a union credit. thing. I, I know it's, it's a union a thing, but like, yeah, it's a different <laughs> check that gets cut. Yeah. Uh, But anyway, I'm going to let that go because I don't need to understand it. It's not my job to figure out who these people are. And this episode was also directed by Christopher Missiano. This episode aired in 2003 and may seem prescient to us who remembered the 18-day government shutdown in 2013. But this kind of thing has happened actually many times in the past, starting Mm -hmm. with the Ford administration in 1976. Under President Carter, this was the thing that just blew my mind. The government shut down, seriously, under President Carter, who had one term, five Five times, three times in 1977 alone, and he is the only president to experience a government shutdown while his party controlled both houses of Congress. Yeah, it wasn't a good look. No, I mean, I, I looked at that and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. It shut down five times in four years when the Democrats controlled everything. And this is the thing, like, I've always been, you know, politically liberal. I've always been Democrat and I get it. But like the accusations that the Democrats have their thumbs up their asses all the time, I think is somewhat fair. <laughs> <laughs> the mean, gang that can't God. shoot straight. Yeah, exactly. Well, Reagan actually has the most occurrences of shutdowns on his watch. There were eight between 1981 and 1987. And this episode was actually based on the government shutdown of 1995, the longest shutdown in history, clocking in at 21 days. So while when I watched this episode for the first time, I you know, it was after 2013, I'd watched it again. And I was like, wow, it's like they were predicting the future. And then when I looked back and saw how many government shutdowns there actually had been, it was really just predicting the future with the most reliable way which is looking to the past right <laughs> because exactly. that's where you can yeah, yeah. find it all right okay well let's go to the synopsis In this episode of The West Wing, the president goes to war with the Speaker of the House over a continuing resolution for the budget. The government shuts down and the two sides play an escalating game of political theater to see who blinks first. A hot girl named Rena cleans up after everyone and finally a budget deal is reached. (laughs) Yeah, we got to talk about the hot girl. Okay. It's like, where did she come from? I'm going to be looking for the male perspective on what the hell's going on with that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we have this government shutdown. We open with the president refusing to give in to the Republicans demands. Um, And Leo, who, you know, is telling everybody it'll be a couple hours, whatever it'll last as long as it lasts. Uh, What did you think coming into this episode about this, this government shutdown? Did you feel like the president was being stubborn or did you feel like the Republicans were just being unreasonable? Which one is Leo? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I know, I know, I know, I know. Um, Yeah, so this is essentially the second part of a two-parter. Yes. Uh, You Mm -hmm. know, you have like a cliffhanger where there's this, you know, the the meeting between the the House Republicans and uh, the Bartlett uh, administration. Mm -hmm. And so we pick it up from there. And uh, yeah, you know, I thought, you know, uh, Bartlett was, you know, very dismissive of okay that's that's uh you know that's it uh there's no more negotiations i got a basketball game i really must go see <laughs> and you know in the meantime like the government's going like you know they're sending people home and uh you know they can't like get anybody for cj to do like some research on mm-hmm. like 
how many uh, thousands of school lunches aren't going to be served because of the, you know, they, right. they, I guess there's no Google, right? They, right? There wasn't any Google that they could use. No, you and, actually had to like find that information on yeah. paper somewhere. Yeah, they got a the book. Dark Ages. <laughs> it's right. Somebody call the uh, Census Bureau. They keep exactly. stats on everything. <laughs> Yeah, but he really it, yes, it, it did kind of surprise me, and I'm kind of like, well, what is his play? Um, and you know, there was a, a certain sense of I don't want to say panic among mm-hmm. the the staff, uh, but uh, certainly you know, no, the idea is like, okay, we are leaderless right now, mm-hmm. and the the president doesn't want to engage because of his pride or for whatever other reason, and now it falls to us to get the, the, the government uh, back open because that, that sort of seems like it's the nuclear option. It's the worst thing that right. can happen mm-hmm. politically is we mm-hmm. shut the government down. They don't really care whether or not you know the parks are open, but right. it's, it just it, it looks bad and somebody's going to lose. And this is what always happens in real life mm-hmm. is that um, usually you know one side is perceived to have lost mm-hmm. uh, because of it. And I think the last two shutdowns, it was uh, – it was Congress that seemed to get, yeah. you know, the blame mm-hmm. for the the Obama shutdown and Clinton shutdown. Uh, so I think so. So I mean, I think that sometimes when you go into the West Wing and you're like, you're not sure, you know, what is the political calculations and the ramifications of doing X, Y, or Z. Mm-hmm. I think people understood like what was at stake, um, you know, with the shutdown. It wasn't just that, uh, you know, the government wasn't going to work, but that there was a real severe political consequence and they kept reminding you of that like with the update on the poll numbers they're going down oh now they're coming back you know yeah well exactly because whose fault is it you know it's that the republicans like they had a deal at one percent the republicans come back in and are like no three percent and they're just you know basically going to hold their breath until they turn blue and then like i was honestly on bartlett's side you know, because like they had a deal and these guys came back in and they basically, you know, held a gun to the government's head and said, do what we say or we're going to shoot, you know. Yeah. And so and I liked yeah. that he called them on it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you, you know, um, you know, for the sake of, you know, the dramatic tension, we as the audience believe that the uh, the Republicans in, in Congress have the upper hand, that mm-hmm. that Speaker Laffley, who is relatively yeah. new in his position, <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, is a is a sharp player, and that he mm-hmm. does have the upper hand, and so that if we think that like Bartlett is just going to bulldoze his way through this, we don't really care. We're just waiting for that to happen. We really th- have the sense that oh my god, these guys are in trouble, mm-hmm. and I, I think they reinforce that by saying like this is a new speaker, and like he's playing by a different set of rules. Yeah, we have this wonderful moment where um, where Josh is talking with Angela, and um, and Angela says everything, everything this guy has done is taken us by surprise. Nothing we've done has surprised him. Mm-hmm. And it's like this moment, you know, this light bulb goes off, and then that's when Josh starts, you know, making all these decisions to like surprise and, and throw the Republicans on the back foot, you know, so that they're not running the show anymore. They're just doing crazy stuff. Like there's this, you know, story about how like you know back in the day, you know the Scottish people like the the reason I mean one of the this is one of the stories they tell that the reason like the English stopped at, at Hadrian's Wall you know when they got to Scotland because yeah. the Scots were so crazy because they would paint themselves blue and run at them naked and just scare the hell out of all the warriors and they were like we're not going up there you know we're yeah. not dealing with these guys <laughs> yeah. you know and I feel like this is the you know the political version of like painting yourself blue and screaming and just running at these guys because they're just not expecting it you know and if you do something unexpected people get freaked out <laughs> and that and that's why I do like you know the basically the 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 ultimate conclusion of of the episode or the high point mm-hmm. of the episode which comes later which is the march on the capitol because that is that is completely different oh, it's yeah. unexpected and it's a great spectacle and it's the reason why I wanted to do this episode because I think it's one of my favorite moments of the series. Oh yeah, it's huge political theater and it's so wonderfully done. Yeah, yeah, but but it, it does, you know, again, it, it takes Josh to get back into the inner circle mm-hmm. to have that influence. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, as I understand it, Josh has been marginalized because he's been, you know, just too, uh, I guess, too much of a maverick when it comes yeah. to the, the party politics. Mm-hmm. And he's poison. And it isn't until uh, the First Lady comes back and she yeah. says, well, where's Josh? 
mm-hmm. that the pre- that that that's when Bartlett knows and 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 I guess you know tells Leo we need Josh in the in the room. Yeah, yeah, because Josh is the one who's really making all this work, and Josh is also the one that's on Bartlett's side. I mean, we have this moment with uh, with CJ and Toby. Where CJ is like, you know, has he lost his mind since? Because earlier in the season, um, he had actually given up. Uh, he had turned over the presidency to the former Speaker of the House, mm-hmm. played by John Goodman, when his daughter Zoe was was kidnapped, and so he came back. And I think they always felt like he wasn't quite himself after that. And you know, they and CJ was like, well, we've been protecting him, you know, and what's going on now? And and CJ says it's leadership. You know, he's actually just he's not crazy. He's he's leading, you know. And so I thought it was kind of like a nice we're in this moment where we're not really sure if Bartlett is sane or if he's just like losing it. If he just has given up, if he just doesn't care anymore, you know, I think Um, you could have called this episode how Jeb Bartlett got his groove back. I think that is it. I think that is it. I think it's pretty cool. I like this moment where we're we're kind of shifting from, okay, Bartlett's crazy and he's lost his mind to, oh, no, he's he's really doing this for a reason. Like he knows what he's doing. So Mm. I thought that that was uh, that was really kind of fun. I like the fact that he's in no mood for any of this nonsense. Like he's not having any of it, you know. Um, and and then we get Abby coming back. Leo calls Abby back in. Of course, Abby had been really angry uh, with President Bartlett when Zoe got kidnapped. Um, she had been really upset about some of the things that he had done that had possibly created the situation that that put Zoe in that kind of danger. And they've been having this strained relationship. And then she comes back and she says, "A bit desperate, Jed. Shutting down the government just to get me back here." Apparently it worked. Peanut butter and jelly. That's what you're having for dinner? The mess is closed. When this is gone, I'm going to have to start in on the grandkids' elbow macaroni. But it's this really nice moment where they, they kind of come back together and uh, and we see them working together again as a team, which I really liked. I, I love Abby Bartlett. She's one of my favorite characters. Now, I, I know that um, you know for a long time they, they worked to uh, keep... Uh, the public from knowing about his MS. Yes, and mm-hmm. I'm curious. Uh, did uh, was it a sort of a state secret that she had left, gone back to New Hampshire, and wasn't in the White House, and there was this strain, or was it just sort of uh, there was like a it was like she's going back to visit her her family. There was there was never any sort of in the press whispers that the marriage was in trouble or something. I don't. I don't know if they ever said that, like, the press had gotten a hold of it. But, I mean, everybody on the show was like, okay, we know something's going on here. I mean, I think that as far as the the public face of it was that it wasn't that long ago that her daughter had been kidnapped. And she's basically been, you know, mm-hmm. at the at the residence in, in Manchester, living at the mall, you know, uh, mm-hmm. with her daughter <laughs> and taking care of. Uh... Like, where did this mall come from? <laughs> exactly. She was, How long she was have in... we been away? They were in the Nordstrom's, you know, hanging yeah, out. and. Like... <laughs> This is where the cows used to be. Now it's a gap. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, so I think it was just that she was taking some time off because she'd been through a trauma and everything. Mm-hmm. And they sort of mm-hmm. excused it that way. And okay. uh, and so they but they uh, there had been some, you know, distance between them. And so to see them kind of back together was was fun. And it was it was really nice. So I actually I liked that moment with Abby. I thought that was really fun. Well, here's um, here's yeah. my question, because, you know, part of the you know, the 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 subplots end up being. Okay, the government shut down. We can't pay for anything, and this is going to affect the state dinner with um, with the prime minister mm-hmm. of England, right? Mm-hmm. And and uh, so they're like, oh no, we got all you know, eight hundred guests coming, and now you know, as as if that hadn't already been paid for ahead of time, you right. know, right? <laughs> it's it's like you know, at the wedding, you don't write the check that day, you know, exactly, <laughs> and. Uh, so the okay, so now everyone's like, oh, and you know, what are we going to do? And CJ comes up with, oh, well, like the president and the first lady are going to host the the prime minister and his wife in the residence, and she's going to be making chicken and all this other stuff. And Abby makes this big appearance, and I'm like, isn't she supposed to be there for the state dinner anyway? <laughs> right. I mean, wasn't she <laughs> coming back for this event? To be. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, good thing I came back here where I was already required. To where be. I was already supposed to be. Yeah. No, I hadn't noticed that, but you're right. That's very sharp observation. <laughs> I'm all about the the food, you know. Yeah, exactly. You pay attention when they start talking about that chicken, right? Because it sounds yeah. like a pretty good recipe. Oh yeah, and they're like Bing Bing on which coffee shop is open at right. nine o'clock, <laughs> as if any of them leave. Right. I you know. know? <laughs> I found a brochure that says Ziggy's is open on 
K and uh, 25th or what? Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I imagine that people who work at the White House, I, I would imagine, to me, it would be realistic that they would know exactly which coffee shops were open at exactly. Although I guess usually it's their assistants that go and find the coffee. So it would be the assistants, who all of whom have been left let go, who would know where the coffee was. Yeah, yeah. And you, you see all these like empty Chinese food boxes yes. and pizza boxes. Mm-hmm. I always wonder... Um, in real life, you know, the guy who delivers pizza to the White House, <laughs> I mean, just like Domino's, like, know the drill, like, which gate to go to without getting shot. I imagine and, they have to have, like, somebody on the staff at all the pizza places who has a certain level of White House clearance. Just, <laughs> just right. it in. Uh, I need to speak to the White House liaison at Domino's. Exactly. I work at Domino's and I have right. a level three class, you know. Right. Please hold for the president. Uh, yes. <laughs> Uh, I'd like uh, an, an extra large meat lovers and uh, a Hawaiian with no pineapple, just ham. Oh my god! What kind of monster orders Hawaiian pizza? I don't, I don't know. It, but by the way, that's and I, I don't know if you see that a lot. I, I've actually um, I got to interview Bill Clinton when he was when he was president. Name drop. Oh yeah. And oh my goodness. And, and there is the thing where. You know, somebody else places the call, and mm-hmm. you're there, and the, and and a voice comes on, and they say, uh, "Please hold for the president." <laughs> and then and then he comes on, and like that moment, you're like, "Oh my god!" Like oh the president is, I'm going to be talking to the president, and like that's how you know, wow, because you know somebody, and that's the protocol, you know, because mm-hmm. the president, no matter who he is, whether he's Jeb Bartlett or the real president, yeah, has a lot of stuff to do. Right. He doesn't have time to hang around waiting for you to pick up on your end. Exactly. He's not going <laughs> to dial, you know? It just uh, like, so you, know, you talk to like the Mrs. the real Mrs. Landingham then. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's this is the cool. president. This yeah. is the president. Get me some General Zhao's chicken <laughs> and pork fried rice. And I need it immediately because we're going to DEFCON 4. Exactly. <laughs> Oh, my God. Okay, well, here's the thing. Here's a question that I have for you, though. I don't know if you noticed this or if you picked up on it, but there was a guy, not 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 Halfley, not the speaker, but there was uh-huh. a guy named Senator Royce, played by H. Richard Green. Right. And he sounded like the most evil guy, like just the, the way his voice sounds when he says... Sorry, took me a while to figure out how to unjam the copier. If they come back with 2%, we can pass the CR tonight. Why would we? He thinks people want his big government. Let's show him how well Americans can get by without the deputy director of regulatory intrusion. They'll call tonight. They won't want it to drag on. And as he says it, it sounds evil. Like there's something in his voice. He's like one of those in a world guys, you know? Like that's code pick- for something? Right. I, I Unjam the copier like- <laughs> means waterboarding someone? Exactly. They gave him the most innocent dialogue, but the way that this guy delivered it, he just sounded so evil. Yeah, you know, that's that's sort of like one of the – that's the only reference to the idea that, you know, the government shut down so all the White House staffers have to go. But the, the congressional staffers mm-hmm. also have to go. Mm-hmm. So they're stuck, you know, looking for where ordering the dumpster is. Ordering right. their own food. <laughs> I'd like to say, like, it's never happened that the administration comes in and doesn't know where the light switches are. <laughs> but apparently that does happen sometimes mm-hmm. with a peaceful transfer of power. Uh, but, you know, but they were also, you know, where we see like the war room at the White House being handicapped by the fact that their resources are taken away. We see the same thing mm-hmm. uh, with, w- w- you know, within the the Republican war room. Yeah. And it's great that they have that one. And, and I don't know the character's name, but there is that one uh, senior lawmaker mm-hmm. uh, who's, who appears to be more of a moderate and is trying to to temper Speaker Laffley's mm-hmm. machinations um, and, you know, is the one who really, you know, says, you know, in that in that moment. The president has come to us. We don't keep him waiting. He's desperate. He wants a deal. Let's bring him in, see what he's got. We exchange niceties and then what? He counters our offer? We're missing something. No, hold on. Wait! Damn it! And something very similar happened in the last mm-hmm. shutdown mm-hmm. where the pre- where President Obama called... Speaker, um, Boehner, oh Boehner, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was going to say guy with the green face, but that yes. didn't narrow it down. Um, <laughs> yeah, Speaker Boehner's office, and uh, again, it's the right. It's the hold for the president, and whoever picked up the phone was like, "Oh, we we can't take the call right now." And mm-hmm. it, it was like, "Are you effing kidding me?" <laughs> 
<laughs> a call from the president is a command performance. Yeah. It doesn't matter, you know. And that's the thing that, you know, that that respect for the office and the person mm-hmm. holding it is all throughout the West Wing. All these characters, like Leo and Toby and, and Josh, and Wood, mm-hmm. uh, um, you know, they're all very close to Jeb Bartlett, but they always refer to him as sir. Yes. In a, you know, in a mm-hmm. very deferential uh, you know, almost uh, uh, military etiquette kind mm-hmm. of way. He's mm-hmm. the president of the United States, and 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 you're not supposed to, you know, hug mm-hmm. him and you know, fist bump him and things right. like that. <laughs> uh, and 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 you can have affection for him and be intimate. Mm-hmm. However, you you know the idea that you're you're you know you're you're wearing a uh, a suit and a tie and you're um you you know you, you have to have this certain level of decorum at all yeah. times. Mm-hmm. You know, plays throughout, and we see, you know, in this case, uh, his uh, Bartlett's political foes thumbing their nose at mm-hmm. at even the, you know, the office of the president. Right. Yeah. Because I mean, the thing is that you always have like a level of respect for the office. Like even if you don't like the man, you have to have respect of the office, and they all do. They all call him Mr. President. I mean, Leo and and Jed have been friends for like 30 years and every now and again if they're if they're like you know really in a fight (laughs) leo will call him jed but Mm -hmm. very rarely i mean usually it's mr president it's sir it's always that you know and so it was it was really interesting to kind of like see kind of what had happened like we had the the whole storyline was zoe getting kidnapped and then Mm -hmm. john goodman who was the speaker at that time but he had to resign the speakership in order to take the presidency so he lost that um he had to resign his 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 uh congressional um um office so uh so we had him you know come in and he was very respectful and everybody was like you know mr president all this kind of stuff with him you know but Mm -hmm. then but then stephen culp the guy who plays halfley comes in and he's just you know a wild card he's just pissed off i mean and it's funny because it really is like it feels very prescient because while in 2003 2002 when this was when this was being done um it was uh you know, there was a lot of tension and obviously like we'd gone through the Newt Gingrich years with Clinton and that was all incredibly, incredibly hostile. But it feels to me like that kind of disrespect, you know, is something that has been building up, you know, like through mm-hmm. the years and, and right. looking back at that time, like I don't remember there being that level of disrespect. Maybe I wasn't paying as much attention back then um, as there has been, you know, like since since President Obama took office and, and we just saw this complete, you know, like loss of respect um, and respect being paid to the office of the president. Um, but back at the time, like, yeah, there was, you know, like you you always said, Mr. President, you were always deferential and that these guys would leave them out there waiting. And I love that moment, too, where Josh goes and sits down next to the president and is like, we're going to leave. Mr. President. Let's go. You know, and the president just looks at him like, okay. And when they get up and leave, it is such a powerful, I mean, it's powerful when they're walking to the hill. It's powerful when he gets out of the car and goes and talks to the people from Kansas whose bus, you know, had stopped. It's it's just like even when he, as the president, is walking to the Capitol, he still does it. it I don't know how they did it, but it looks like power. It doesn't look like weakness. Yeah. It looks like power. It's so cool. I mean, I really want to talk about this whole scene and, and like the not only the political theater, but the the optics of it and the mm-hmm. risk that it yeah. was because it the walk is a huge risk. Mm-hmm. You know, the idea that, you know, they they start off. Again, this is Josh coming back in and his idea is, all right, we're going to shake this up. We're going to walk up to the hill mm-hmm. or we're going to go to the hill. And then, um, you're right, right uh, Bartlett, like, stops the car because he sees uh, the a, a bus. Yeah, the mm-hmm. tourists from Kansas. Jayhawks, Blue Hawks, <laughs> something like that. And, and that's when he gets the idea is, to, is just to walk up there. Now, it's a, it's a spectacle. And, mm-hmm. I mean, and it is great. Now, you've got, like, See, you know, all of a sudden CNN breaks in and we're, we're cutting into their days of our lives. Yes. And it's like, here he comes. He's walking. He's going. And and rather than because it could play out either way in real life. And rather than than it, it, it being a sign of capitulation, because it seems to be very genuinely um, uh, it, it, it does show him to be I'm the one who's going to lead and not be the stubborn one. I, mm-hmm. it, you know, there's there's a half. I'm going to compromise. I'm willing to compromise and talk, 
and and also a sense of uh, you, you know the power of the presidency. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What I don't understand is why it's on every television channel, yet the Republicans in the war room seem to be unaware that the president is coming up the stairs. <laughs> You know? none of their assistants are there to run in and say, hey, turn on the TV. You it idiot. takes him by surprise. Exactly. <laughs> There's like a knock on the door. Josh yeah. finally gets there. He knocks on the door and says, oh, we'll be right with you. I know. And they shut the door in his and face. And they shut the door on so him. Funny. Again, it's the president of the United States. <laughs> and then so he goes yeah. and he goes and he sits down on a bench. And this is the one, you know, by himself mm-hmm. very, with his, his hands in lap very calmly. You know, with a stoic look on his face, and the cameras are going click, 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 and 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 as the PR guy that I sometimes am, mm-hmm. I'm thinking this could go either way. Yeah, because no, that was the, a the, risk. The, the photo could either be construed as him being completely powerless, mm-hmm. or it can be construed as him. I'm I'm willing to be here half and meet you halfway. Where are right. you? Mm-hmm. Uh, so again, Josh's decision said, "Okay, we've been here seven minutes." Let's go, yeah, and leave and walk out, and it just um, it ended up being all the way around a great political strategy because it made him look presidential. It made it look like he was willing to lead, and that the the Congress was the congressional Republicans were being obstructionist, mm-hmm. and so it was a victory. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I thought it was. This is one of the things like I love about this particular episode. This is this whole thing with him walking to the Capitol, them building that up, and the fact that it is such a high risk strategy all the way through. Like everything that they're doing, you know, when when I'm watching it, I mean, I'm on Bartlett's side. Like I think that mm-hmm. that the Republicans are being bullies about it, and they're just you know being jerks about it. But at the same time. You know, even watching it, I'm like, oh, my God, this could go really bad. This could not be right. You know, like like maybe right. Bartlett should just give in, you know, and everybody's like, OK, we've just got to get a, a, a deal going. Um, Angela's saying, oh, you know, they'd give us 2%. I think they were going to negotiate 2%. We can still get 2%. You know, everybody's doing this stuff. And you're thinking, oh, my God, he's making such a huge, this is such a huge moment. And it's kind of scary. And then when he's walking out there, it, it there, I'm like, oh, my God, that's great. That's great. Oh, this could go so bad. This could go so bad. So, like, even as I'm watching it i am feeling like they managed to to write this episode to where you're just you're feeling that tension i'm never secure that you know that it's all going to go well for the president even having seen the episode before and knowing <laughs> how it goes like even watching it in that moment i'm like oh my god is good so i love the way they built up that tension where you just feel like it could go horribly horribly wrong at any moment and then when it goes well you're like yeah you know it's really really nice i i am still really impressed with the way that this episode is written and the way that they escalate that conflict just to that point where it's like a, it can tip either way at any moment. It's really great. And, and, and whereas the show in and of itself is a political fantasy and it's mm-hmm. sort of like this is the thing that we wish our leaders would do. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's like, yeah, this is what I wish someone w- would do would be to you know, figuratively and literally, you know, go to the other people mm-hmm. and, and to, to, to show that. Yeah. Um, and, and yes, there is a little bit of, you know, calculation involved in him doing this. And OK, all of a sudden, oh, we're going to walk and now we're going to we're going to walk away. And uh, but again, you know, we're like we're, we're finally like, yeah, he's 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 not just watching basketball and eating peanuts. <laughs> uh, you know, he's he's being the president again. Yeah, exactly. No, it's it was very very cool. I really I like it and it does feel like a big moment in in the course of the season where we we like get Bartlett back. You know, after everything that he's been through, everything with his family, all that stuff going on, it's like he's he's back and he is serious serious business. So for me, like this is this is one of those moments where I'm like standing up and cheering, you know, and I'm so excited for for this whole story. But one of the things though that I have to say in this story that threw me off. And I'm looking, you know, I'm I'm very glad to be speaking to a man this week because I just want to like oh. get your get your opinion on Rena the hot girl, right? Ah, because Rena, yes. We have this whole thing. Like there's the the introduction we get, you know, we have her walking in and she's clearing out the the garbage from all of the, you know, the the Chinese food containers and the pizza uh-huh. boxes and all uh-huh. that kind of stuff. And Leo says, "Who's that? A walking lawsuit." So we have this whole running thing where every, you know, every now and again throughout this episode, 
we'll have all of these guys, they're in the rooms, you know, they're doing whatever. And this girl comes in, you know, and starts picking up their garbage. And they all look at her with this incredibly uncomfortable look because she's hot, because she's, she's putting garbage, because what I don't understand what's going on with this story. Well, she, it's just yeah, simply a hot a little, girl is making them all uncomfortable. Is that what that was? I, it, it, it could, it's a little bit of that, I think. <laughs> she is dressed slightly provocatively for oh, the yeah. White House. Like her her skirt's pretty short, <laughs> and you know she's kind of like flirty. You know, uh, she does have sort of a, you know, I don't want. Uh, she does she does have a vibe that it's like. Yeah, somebody, some guy is going to say something really bad, or she's she's going to, you know, get into mm-hmm. some kind of trouble, and HR uh, at the WH yes. is going to be PO'd. <laughs> um, but do we see her again, like in future episodes? A, a she little re- bit. She's she's there for a couple of episodes, but it's never, it's not like really a big thing, and nothing really essentially ever happens with her. But I mean, it's just I I. The whole time, it's like, okay, this is the end of the joke. It's just that there's a hot girl wandering around and none of them are comfortable with it. But the fact is, they're surrounded by beautiful women all the time. All mm-hmm. of the women here are mm-hmm. beautiful. <laughs> like, they're, you know, right. so, um, so it just seems to me like she dresses differently. You know, she dresses a little more provocatively and, and it's just, it's this weird thing. But I, I gotta say, I love, and there's so much in this episode that makes me kind of sad that this isn't a video podcast because, some of the reactions, like the the when uh, when Halfley shuts the door in Josh's face, you know, there's this mm-hmm, yeah. wonderful visual there, and there's this great visual on the other side of the frosted glass. Exactly, you see his outline, like going, you see he's Josh like, hesitating there for a minute, yeah. like what is going on here, you know? Um, but we have this moment where Rena asks Toby for recommendations. <laughs> You're Toby Ziegler, right? <laughs> it would be great if you could write me a recommendation for my personnel file. It'd be great if you could write me a letter. It'd be great if you could write me a recommendation. And the look on Toby's face when she says that makes the whole thing worth it for me. Like the whole storyline with this girl and like, what are we building up to here? What is this supposed to be? It's just that they can't handle seeing a woman who's wearing, you know, a dress that's a little bit snug. Like, I mean, they've got serious government business that they have to Uh deal with. Like, why is this woman distracting you so much? But then the moment where she asks him for a recommendation. And first of all, I got to say, I love the balls on that girl because he's Toby Ziegler. <laughs> like yeah. she knows who he is and she wants a recommendation from him, which I just adore. But the look on his uh, face. I, when I know she you're says busy that. running the country, uh, <laughs> but could you take some time out and write a letter for me to put in my file? My personal about file, how, because I picked up your garbage. File. Yeah, I did great. She's, they were like, "How come you're here?" She says, "Oh, my program wasn't affected." I was like, I "What program is that? What is your program? Like, what? What, what, what yeah. was she doing dressed like that?" <laughs> yeah, it was like everybody. You're like what? Homeland Security? What? Yeah. <laughs> All non-essential employees must go home. All non-essential and, except Rena. We're keeping Rena. Rena. Yeah. <laughs> and then she's all on uh, uh, AmeriCorps. Oh yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So you yeah. pay people to volunteer. That sounds like a job. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and Toby is just staring at her like she's some like 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 you know a cheetah has just walked into the like something that yeah. does not belong there has just walked right into the White House and he has no idea how to deal with it. It was just such a weird note for me. It was like these men can't handle beautiful women. They see beautiful women all the time. Can we talk about Republican politics in the eyes of Aaron Sorkin? Oh, sure we can. Sure we can. Um you you know I think obviously <laughs> When, we, when you sort of look at like what makes for a better uh, narrative conflict when you're developing a show like this is do you you know do you have um, a, a lead character a president who's espousing conservative views mm-hmm. or progressive views and it it's like it, you know whether or not you're you're rooting for your your own team mm-hmm. um, it, it sort of seems naturally that like the there are better stories in the uh, the struggles of the progressives than the conservatives. There's yeah. more about you know uh, about getting out of poverty and um, uh, you know uh, equal civil rights and things mm-hmm. like this. Whereas um, you know a lot of conservative uh, uh, principles are built around finance 
mm-hmm. and and whatnot. So it doesn't really lend itself necessarily to like really great drama. Mm-hmm. Uh, how that that being said, I I don't think that always that that uh, it's diminished in the hands of these writers. That mm-hmm. that they tr- I think legitimately try to to um, portray at least as they understand it. Uh, you, you know the the earnestness of the conservative uh, values, like you know, half they give Halfley a moment to 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 you know argue amongst his caucus mm-hmm. when they're saying like you, you know, okay, we have you know, you, the, the 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 nation wants us to lead now mm-hmm. as opposed to just saying no and he says no we are governing we're slowing the rate of government you know the 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 growth of government we're getting the country back on track and and they're not saying it like snarky uh mm-hmm. to the audience it's like this is what they really believe right. um, I, you know and and, and again I, i'm trying to remember you know the alan alda character Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there was a, one of the From debates the later that seasons, they had, yeah. Mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and it was like his his one line was supposed to be like, you know, tax credits was going to, or was it tax cuts that mm-hmm. was going to f- cure everything? And he gets called out on that, and he gives like a really like very reasoned uh, explanation on why tax cuts could help, um, you know, developing nations in Africa, mm-hmm. and when and so I think you know maybe not always, but I do think like they're trying to like. You know, not just be cheap and like make them the guys in the black hats. Yeah, the bad guys all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, there's, they they have to be opposites to be rivals. But I don't think they necessarily have to cheapen that by just being like, okay, these are the guys that want to you know kick orphans out of you know church right. or whatnot. You know, uh, uh-huh. so 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 I appreciate that. Um, you know, they try to be, uh, try to be you know fair with both sides, even though. Our protagonist is of of you know one one political oh, yeah. party you know yeah we definitely lean I mean you know I don't think anybody can argue that the West Wing you know as a TV show doesn't lean left doesn't doesn't present oh, right. the liberal side more often than the conservative side and uh, but one of the things that I really love about the West Wing is that the conservative argument. A lot of times they have wonderful characters. We had a character, uh, Ainsley Hayes, early on in the run, who was this incredibly smart and and really, like, earnest, you know, really, like, principled, you know, conservative, who made a lot of those arguments and made them really well. Um, there was a character played briefly by... Um, Matthew Perry from Friends, who who played a character (laughs) called Joe Quincy, who also was conservative, who also made those arguments. Um, And so we do see that. And Alan Alda, of course, I think is one of the best representatives that we have for that that very principled conservative stance. Um, And that's something that you don't see, especially, you know, the wider the gap gets, um, you know, in in a real world, although I try not to go to the real world as as often as I can with, uh, with this podcast. But you know, we, we see that gap widening where they, they just can't understand each other. And everybody's always painting the other side as just the bad guys, the evil, all that kind of stuff. But when you see these arguments from a place of, of earnestness, from a place of people who have principles and who care very deeply about what it is they're doing, for me, even though, like, I am always on the liberal side of things, like, I always agree more with the liberal point of things than, than the conservative point of things, I love on the West Wing when there's a good solid conservative argument that you can respect, that you can look at them and say, yes, I completely understand where you're coming from. I disagree, but I get it, you know, because mm-hmm. that's honestly like the thing that I'm, I've been craving so much is to, to hear an argument from the other side that is reasoned and and earnest and makes sense. And I actually have, because obviously I'm, I'm very liberal, all my podcasts, I'm very liberal. Every now and again, I'll get an email from somebody who, you know, is from the other side and who actually does make really earnest, you know, really principled arguments. And I love talking to those people. I like the real people who are real conservatives who I can understand and talk to and have an argument with. You but know? Lonnie, the, Jeb Bartlett is not their president. No, he's not their president. <laughs> yes. So they're not really listening to this podcast but they sometimes listen to my other ones (laughs) but it's always really nice to hear those arguments it's one of the things that i love when the west wing does it because it feels it feels so good to like this idea of people who are 
who care passionately, see things differently, finding a way to have these discussions and have these arguments. And I do really appreciate that from the West Wing. It's one of my favorite things about the show is that when they do, I mean, sometimes, sometimes they'll represent the conservative side yeah. of things, you know, I mean, but when I, they, I think Sorkin when they did do it a best fair when he, one, yeah. I think Sorkin mm-hmm. did it best, like when they, he did um, a newsroom. Yeah. Uh, oh, where, yeah. Where his, you know, uh, the, the anchor. Will McAvoy. Will, Mal- yeah. McAvoy. Uh, was a Republican, and 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 uh, he said, um, you know, someone said, oh, I'm surprised, you know, you're in the media, and and mm-hmm. you know, you're a Republican, and he said, no, I'm something like, you know, I, I'm a, uh, you know, a moderate Republican. Says, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm the ones that don't believe that hurricanes are caused by gay marriage. Right. <laughs> Exactly, because when it gets to that point, you can't have a conversation anymore. You yeah, know? That's but true. yeah, Will that's true, McAvoy yeah. was fantastic. The newsroom is a whole other discussion, and I don't know. Someday I may do a podcast about that too, because I got to tell you, I love me some Sorkin. He's really great. <laughs> you just have to do that that opening soliloquy oh, yeah. Uh, that oh. he, yeah that he gave. Uh, that's my why you know, is America the greatest country? It's not. Yeah, it's no, it's not. fantastic. I don't it's know. One of my Yosemite. <laughs> Yosemite. I know. I love that. <laughs> And so for those of you who haven't seen the opening of the newsroom, just take that as go watch it. You will not be sorry. It is absolutely fantastic. All right. One more thing that I wanted to talk about. I know I'm keeping you long today, but it's really fun having this discussion with you um, is Donna. Donna is Mm. one of my my favorite characters. I absolutely love her. We have this this moment in the beginning where she wants to stay. It's almost like she she seems to be in shock because Josh has to keep reminding her it's it's special assistance. Anybody below special assistant is going home and you're below special assistant. Cancel tomorrow's meetings with SBA and the FCC. You do realize you're not a special assistant. Thanks for reminding me. How far out do you want me to... Donna, listen carefully. You have to go home. Seriously? So when Leo said everybody below special assistant... He met you. And she just keeps looking at him with this look like, that that can't happen. I can't go home. I, you know, she's like, she's so into it. And then we have this this great thing where she talks about the Social Security checks. And so mm-hmm. we, they kind of wander through. We, we see that come up a couple of times throughout the episode. Until at the end, she comes back. Hi. Don't call the feds. I'm just dropping off farms for the Treasury employees. So you're the one who saves Social Security. Nice catch. Thanks. I just wish there's so much going on, and I wish I could help more. You ever hear about the NBA rookie who pulled his first rebound the night Will Chamberlain pulled 55? Mm-mm. Said it was the proudest day of his life. Together, he and Wilt went for 34 points and 56 rebounds. I pulled a rebound? You pulled 11 million. I'm Wilt Chamberlain? No, you're the rookie. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but he's so proud of her. And you can see that, you know, she saved Social Security. And he's so proud of her. And he's like, it's just, I love that relationship between the two of them. Um, yeah, yeah. It's just adorable. I mean, she's obviously extremely loyal to him. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of the pull, which yes. is like, I, you know, um, you, you know, give, give, given my choice, I, I would not leave you in this crisis. Right. And mm-hmm. he's saying, well, actually, you have to. You mm-hmm. can't stay here because we can't pay you, and if we can't compel you to volunteer because that's illegal as well, you must go home. So obviously she does the next best thing, which is uh, go to a party in a bar with the rest of the <laughs> laid-off federal employees the next day. <laughs> They're all at Harry's. Exactly. Uh, you know, saying, all right, well, we're doing, you know, uh, two-drink minimum. and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, but spending is, that you know, government paycheck that they're not getting that we They're not yeah. getting, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, and, like, you know, and then the thing is, like, well, I could loan you some money. And mm-hmm. she gives the point, well, isn't this just sort of, you know, um, the same as what we're doing with the government? We're, we're, we're robbing Peter to pay Paul. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we keep floating these things back and forth. And that's why we have, instead of uh, an actual budget, we have a continuing resolution all the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And it isn't, you know, at the end where uh, – this time Bartlett gets halfway on, you know, in the Oval Office on his terms. He sandbags him, and mm-hmm. we're, so we're not going to talk about you know a continuing resolution. And you know, he he, he lays out, you know, I, I see how you played me. You did this, mm-hmm. this, and this, and now we're going to do this. And in the end, he, he says, you know, they come up with a budget, and it's a good budget because we know. Uh, nobody got everything they wanted, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of thing that you know we we uh, we certainly hope that we get in in politics. There is a a reality that when you propose massive cuts, 
that there are unintended consequences or consequences that you don't realize, Mm -hmm. like, you know, the Social Security checks not getting cut. Mm -hmm. But also, you know, if you close this department, are you aware this happens with this program, Mm -hmm. Uh, which we we see a lot now in the news as, you know, there are proposals like, oh, you want to do away with community development block grants? Well, uh, how is uh, that Meals on Wheels program going to get funded and mm-hmm. you know it, it, it's uh it, it's part of the the difference between um you know uh, running on political platitudes and actually governing yeah mm-hmm. well it is because i mean there's so many considerations and it's also incredibly complicated and when you throw all of these things you know i mean whenever they start talking about they're talking about the budget. They're talking about all of the different considerations that they have to have in this budget, all of the things that they're trying to hash out. And I, I look at it and I think, I don't even know how these people do this every day, like how they come back and face, you know, all of these details. And you say one thing and then you realize that if you pull at that thread, it pulls out this has this whole ripple effect throughout the whole fabric, you know. Um, so it's it's just it's a thing that I can't even wrap my mind around. I cannot even imagine having an argument with somebody about the budget. I would lose my mind because I'd be like, well, yes, you know, I, I don't think I'd ever be able to get anything done because hey, it's what's just a like few no billion what. here or there, you exactly. know, exactly. You know, it's, 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 it's all, it's all there. Um, but one of the things I wanted to ask you about too, is to see like, there's this moment early on where Donna wants to work. And so she's trying to grab all the files. And then <laughs> Josh says, okay, take my laptop. Start a tally of programs affected by the shutdown and email it to me as you go. And don't read anything in the folder marked private. Don't take my laptop. <laughs> now, is, is that a porn joke? Because he said, don't read anything in the file marked private. Is he, is he like, reading erotica? I, is that what I, <laughs> What is that joke? I mean... <laughs> he got that uh, the book from the guys on the uh, Dad Wrote a Porno podcast. Dad wrote a porno <laughs> <laughs> he must have got an early copy of that. Yeah. Josh wrote a porno. I think that's what it is. <laughs> Josh, I don't see how one could uh, download porn in the White House. Although mm-hmm. it's probably it's probably been done. Uh, I imagine I imagine that it has. <laughs> but, you know, with the Freedom of Information Act, and you know, I- I'm sure someone's like going to you know file a FOIA for I'd like to see the um the download log from the <laughs> the west wing and uh you know I mean if, if we can spend uh, millions of dollars sifting through somebody's emails yeah. uh, we should we should know whether or not uh they're on adult fi- uh, friend finder adult friend finder you know what I think that there are some things that I just I'm happier not knowing like, I, like I don't want to know about folder. porn in yeah. the White House. Like, what's in that private folder? Like, that's between you and your God, Josh. But also, like, <laughs> because because he said, he, he didn't say don't look at anything in the folder. He said, he don't, said don't read, read anything, which makes me think that he's writing an erotic novel. I mean, that is my own little headcanon for that, is that Josh is, is secretly, you know, he's, he's, I, he's writing. Yeah, no, I'd still like to believe it's, it's photographs uh, <laughs> th- that are dirty, that he downloaded at home mm-hmm. and brought to work with and him at the White work. House. Well, because sometimes you have a lunch Be- break. Well, <laughs> he's the only one who's been waiting for this shutdown. He's like, I need the office to myself for eight minutes. Yeah, Donna, when you leave, shut the door. Donna, okay. as a matter of fact, you cannot take this. you cannot take this laptop. I have been waiting five seasons for this moment. Exactly. <laughs> For the government to shut down. For the government to shut down. Because I have all of these photos of New Hampshire farm girls <laughs> at Old Navy. Taken at the Manchester Mall. Yeah, exactly. I got some food court sluts here that I have been uh, I have been waiting for just this moment. I'll give you a continuing resolution right here. And, oh, and when he said that, when he said like you know he's willing to give in another three percent, now I know what he meant. No, I know. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, I think. No, I think actually, t- last point. I think he wait, wanted wait, the president wait. to take a walk so he could have the office to himself again. <laughs> How about we leave now, Mr. President? All right. <laughs> 
right, everybody, that is going to do it for this week's episode of Jed Bartlett is my president. Sadly, it's time to start the government back up again and get back to the real world where there's real work to be done. But I hope this little break has given you the strength to face up to the bullies in your life and tell them they can take their 3% and shove it. Thank you to Kevin Flynn for hanging out with me this week. Kevin, tell the good people where they can find you. Uh, I am on Twitter at Kevin P. Flynn. And you can watch or you can listen to my podcast, Crime Writers On, and these are their stories of Law and Order podcast at iTunes and wherever else you get your podcasts. All right. So be sure to keep an eye out for Kevin Flynn. As you all can tell, he is hilarious. He's very worth following on Twitter and listening to all of the podcasts. I listen to everything that you and Rebecca do. I love you guys. You're so much fun. Well, thanks so much. You're <laughs> one of our favorites, too. Uh, thank you. I'll be back next week with Matthew Vose of the Pop Culturally Deprived Podcast, and we'll be sharing our thoughts on episode 22 of season two, Two Cathedrals, in which President Bartlett struggles when tragedy befalls the White House staff. Until then... Here's a word from your president and mine, Jed Bartlett. Stand by. I'm not going to negotiate with anyone who holds a gun to my head. We had a deal. I don't care if my approval ratings drop into single digits. I am the president of the United States, and I will leave this government shut down until we reach an equitable agreement. Jed Bartlett is My President is a Chipperish Media production. To get exclusive Chipperish content and access to a community of amazing people, go to patreon.com slash chipperish. All clips in this podcast were used under the fair use exemption for criticism and commentary of the U.S. Copyrights Act.